Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. The Final Four is set in basketball's playoffs, and BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for the conference finals. Use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be doing so. We've got a great show planned for you today. We are going to talk about WNBA's opening weekend here today. I've been looking for a way to weave this into the show because there was a lot of interesting sports over the weekend. We talked PGA Championship with Walter Mitchell. You guys really seem to enjoy those golf power hours in a way that I wasn't anticipating. We were talking NBA playoffs because there were four playoff games that happened in the time since we were last on. And today, we're going to talk about the WNBA opening weekend because there was a lot of interesting stakes, storylines, a story with the Las Vegas Aces that we'll dive into, a story with Brittany Griner and her debut. We'll talk about all of that coming up later on the show. First off, it's time to celebrate. Being loud, right. Nikola Jokic deserves to win a third consecutive MVP, which at this point basically solidifies him as the best player in the NBA. It is indisputable that Nikola Jokic, right now in his physical prime, is the best player in the NBA. This year's Denver Nuggets team is competent. And the reason that that is the case is because the last two playoff runs, their their best player in 2021, other than Jokic, was Michael Porter Jr. And the problem was you can't have Michael Porter Jr. as your second best player. 
And while Michael Porter Jr. was out for the playoffs last year, for most of the 2022 season, Michael Porter Jr. was their second best player. And when Michael Porter Jr. was their third best player, with Jokic playing at an MVP level, they made it to the conference finals and were an Anthony Davis three-pointer at the buzzer away from giving the Lakers a run for their money in that series in the bubble. Jamal Murray has returned, and Michael Porter Jr. is the fourth best player on the Denver Nuggets now. And we have seen the evidence bear out that they are the best team in the weaker conference, and I will take the next step to say that despite the fact that Boston has eight players that are ranked in the, or seven players that are ranked in the top 100 in win shares, and despite the fact that Philadelphia has two players in the top 12 in win shares, and despite the fact that Milwaukee has Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and potentially the return of Chris Middleton with a team that already won a championship two years ago, I will make the argument that even among those three teams, and you can put Cleveland in this group as well, potentially, even though I don't think Cleveland will get to the NBA Finals, I believe that when the playoffs roll around, the Denver Nuggets can beat one of those teams in the NBA Finals. We were loud right about the Denver Nuggets. When I have more time, I'm going to put together a true loud right about the Denver Nuggets clip because there are a couple of clips I could find if I go back into the archives where we said the Denver Nuggets are going to go 12-3 and in the Western Conference playoffs. The Denver Nuggets are going to win the West without ever facing an elimination game. One loss in a meaningless Game 4 to Minnesota in Round 1. Two losses in Phoenix in Games 3 and 4 of that series. Zero losses against the Lakers. By my math, the Denver Nuggets went 12-3 and and won the Western Conference without ever facing an elimination game. Like we've been saying for four months. The first clip you heard in that loud right celebration was February 20th. We were saying it in February. We said it in March on local radio. I have the clip. I just haven't edited it into the loud right promo yet. We said it March 24th. We said it in April here on the podcast talking with Morgan from Australia. We said it in May on local talk radio. Again, I'm going to share that clip eventually once I edit it together. February, March, April, May, telling you the Denver Nuggets were the best team in the Western Conference. People wanted to say the Western Conference was wide open, and they were correct for the second spot in the conference finals. Before that, it was Denver, Denver, Denver. The Nuggets were the best team in the West. The Nuggets have been one of the three best teams in the NBA all season. And oh, by the way, the two teams that were better than them, Milwaukee and Boston, they are out of here. Philadelphia, they're out of here. The Denver Nuggets, who we said, looking at the nerd stats, looking at the analytics, were the best team in the NBA And they have proven us right time and time again. Because again, 
having the best player in the NBA on your team. And at this point, I think it's safe to say Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. Having the best player on your team and competence guarantees you a conference finals run every year. And people were dismissing the Denver Nuggets. People were saying that the Denver Nuggets hadn't won anything when they had won four playoff series in four seasons. That's a trip to the second round every single year, despite the fact that after making it to the Western Conference Finals in 2020, the following season, Jamal Murray tore his ACL and Michael Porter Jr. was the second best player on their team. And then last year in the playoffs, as the number six seed, their second best player was Facundo Campazzo. The Denver Nuggets, this year, went from having Michael Porter Jr. as their second best player to having Michael Porter Jr. as their fifth best player. And that transformation has given them a solid roster around the best player in the NBA, and if you provide the best player in the NBA competence, you will make it to at least a conference finals. And when you play in a Western conference that has, besides them is incredibly weak, they were guaranteed to make it to the conference finals, and they weren't going to be tested. They were not tested along the way. Even in their losses, they were impressive as hell. In the one garbage time loss to Minnesota, one, they were up 3-0 in the series, and two, they came back from down 12 points with three minutes to go, and if Jokic hits a free throw, they go on a 13-0 run to eliminate the Minnesota Timberwolves. In the game that they lost to Phoenix, Nikola Jokic had 53 points, and as a team, they shot 56% from the field. Denver has been the best team in the NBA for most of this season. In March, it started fading. In April, they lost a bunch of games as they got healthy for the playoffs. Once they got here, completely untested in the Western Conference. By the way, playing what I would argue are the second and third best teams in the West. Phoenix was the second best team in the West. The Lakers were the third best team in the West this year. Playing against the best the Western Conference had to offer, they ended up Never getting tested. 12-3, and three, like we said in February, like we doubled down in March, like we tripled down in April, like we quadrupled down in May. I know my shit. I was loud right. It sometimes feels really good to be loud right when everyone else is telling you you're crazy. Like saying that the 2021 Tennessee Titans who got the number one seed were not a playoff team. Or saying no amount of draft analysis could convince me Mac Jones is better than Justin Fields. Or telling you the West is not wide open. The Denver Nuggets are going to win the West and they are never going to be tested. And what happened? The Denver Nuggets won the West and were never tested. Nikola Jokic deserves to win a third consecutive MVP, which at this point basically solidifies him as the best player in the NBA. It is indisputable that Nikola Jokic 
right now in his physical prime is the best player in the NBA. This year's Denver Nuggets team is competent. And the reason that that is the case is because the last two playoff runs, their best player, their best player in 2021 other than Jokic was Michael Porter Jr. And the problem was you can't have Michael Porter Jr. as your second best player. And while Michael Porter Jr. was out for the playoffs last year, for most of the 2022 season, Michael Porter Jr. was their second best player. And when Michael Porter Jr. was their third best player, with Jokic playing at an MVP level, they made it to the conference finals and were an Anthony Davis three-pointer at the buzzer away from giving the Lakers a run for their money in that series in the bubble. Jamal Murray has returned, and Michael Porter Jr. is the fourth best player on the Denver Nuggets now. And we have seen the evidence bear out that they are the best team in the weaker conference, and I will take the next step to say that despite the fact that Boston has eight players that are ranked in, the, or seven players that are ranked in the top 100 in win shares, and despite the fact that Philadelphia has two players in the top 12 in win shares, and despite the fact that Milwaukee has Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and potentially the return of Chris Middleton with a team that already won a championship two years ago, I will make the argument that even among those three teams, and you can put Cleveland in this group as well, potentially, even though I don't think Cleveland will get to the NBA Finals, I believe that when the playoffs roll around, the Denver Nuggets can beat one of those teams in the NBA Finals. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so I would like to talk a little bit today about WNBA opening week. I was trying to find a way to weave this into the podcast somewhere, and I feel like this is a good place for this 20 minutes because there's a lot that's been going on at the beginning of the WNBA season. And I want to talk about this crazy story with the Las Vegas Aces, and I want to talk about Enrique Agumbawale and how she might win WNBA MVP this year and is a legitimate star in a sport that is starting to have more national stars, but a lot of the national stars that you know are people who were also great 10 years ago. I want to talk about all of that. The first place we need to start, though, is by talking about the Phoenix Mercury and Brittany Griner. We did a full 40-minute long podcast talking about gender and sexuality in sports and how Brittany Griner is returning to the WNBA after two years off from the sport and spending 11 months in a Russian penal colony as essentially a prisoner of war and her freedom was negotiated by the government as part of this Freedom that now is going to be a calling card for a national story involving the WNBA. And we talked about 
four weeks ago, and we wanted to talk about it before the WNBA season started and before Brittany Griner's first game. Brittany Griner is a black queer woman who is regarded as a hero. And you don't have a lot of black queer women viewed nationally as a hero and revered as a hero almost universally in the way that this is for Brittany Griner. Obviously, there are people who will talk about why she got the special treatment of being released from prison when a white man who had been a, a prisoner of war for eight years didn't get freed in the same negotiation that they were doing. Obviously, there's going to be whataboutisms around this, but almost universally, Brittany Griner, a black lesbian queer woman, is revered as a hero by broader America. And that offers an opportunity to have a conversation about gender and sexuality that just might change and influence some people who perhaps wouldn't otherwise be talking about this story if Brittany Griner hadn't been placed in a Russian penal colony. And granted, the most important thing from the beginning was Brittany Griner's well-being, her medical assess, like her physical and mental well-being coming out of the situation. And she went through the training and was going to play in the WNBA this year. And now here Brittany Griner is throwing up peace signs and celebrating her return. There were a lot of great photos and great moments from not just her first game, uh, on Friday in Los Angeles, but also her first game back in Phoenix on Sunday, which that was a rousing applause and just a great moment if you saw on ESPN the Brittany Griner return to Phoenix in the home opener. I know for her first game back in Los Angeles, Don Staley was there, the South Carolina head coach who we've talked about a bunch on the show, the vice president of the United States was in the locker room and taking a photo with the the Phoenix Mercury. And yes, I said Don Staley before the vice president because you know what? Don Staley might be a better human being than the vice president of the United States. So Don Staley, the vice president, uh, lots of NBA players were shouting it out. It was a really cool moment to watch that happen. And again, I encourage you, if you want more of the Brittany Griner stuff, we did a 40-minute podcast. It's way better than anything I could articulate in five minutes here. Just we wanted to do that podcast before Brittany Griner's debut and talking about gender and sexuality, not just in the sports space, but in a broader context. So I linked that podcast in the description to this episode. You can go back and listen to that. I really encourage you guys to even before listening to the next stuff. The next stuff is very interesting as well in the WNBA. But the Brittany Griner story that we did is something that I really, really encourage y'all to check out. What I really wanted to talk about today, coming off of the first weekend of the WNBA and the first week of the season, they they stagger the schedule a little bit in the midday weeks, but after the first weekend of the WNBA, I wanted to talk about two stories that are a little more lighthearted, per se, than Brittany Griner spending 11 months in a Russian penal colony and talking about gender and sexuality and discrimination in broader America as well as within the uh, prism of sports and homophobia within sports and not really creating the most accepting environments for LGBTQ plus people. I want to talk about two stories here, one that's just a straight basketball topic and one that has some layers to it beyond the basketball elements of it. Let's start off by talking about the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA because Days before the season started, the 
WNBA announced punishments for the Las Vegas Aces as part of an investigation into their handling of contract negotiations and eventually the trade of Derecia Hamby, who she was traded from the Aces to the Los Angeles Sparks in November of last year. She made public on social media uh, unethical t- uh, details of unethical treatment by the Aces, and including details about how they handled her talking about her pregnancy. And the WNBA investigated this. They found some misgivings when it came to the contract negotiation for Hamby, but also that Becky Hammond the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, a name people remember for talking about uh, being the first female coach in the NBA and coaching with Greg Popovich and all that stuff. Becky Hammond going to the Las Vegas Aces, winning the WNBA championship in the previous season because uh, in October of 2022, Hamby was part of the championship team for the Aces that included Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and... The Aces ended up trading Hamby. The investigation went on for a few months and then was announced in the middle of opening day press conferences, which was kind of wild if you follow that type of stuff. I was reading an article that was like, as the Indiana Fever, uh, Christy Sides, their head coach, was doing her press conference, they announced the suspension for the Aces, and so... People were kind of like scrambling. It was kind of an interesting situation that you don't usually see all the time. Uh, But the suspension was that the Aces, as part of the contract improprieties and Becky Hammond specifically uh, giving what they call discriminatory comments about her and her pregnancy, uh, about Hamby's pregnancy, uh, Becky Hammond got a two-game suspension for the Aces, and the Aces lost their 2025 first-round pick, which... For those who don't know the WNBA system, that because there's only 12 teams and about 114 roster spots, there are first-round picks that get cut after a season in the WNBA. They really, really need expansion given the amount of talented women's basketball players there are in America by itself, not to include uh, players from Japan and China who play in the WNBA, Australia who play in the WNBA. Just the American system itself needs more players, and a lot of them can go overseas and play, and there are other leagues that pay more money and offer more fulfilling careers, but the WNBA needs expansion really badly, and figuring out the ownership situation of the current league leads to conversations about how the future we've done a whole podcast about labor issues in the WNBA and Brianna Stewart and all sorts of stuff. Um, That podcast, I will also link in the description to this episode. If you want to hear more about the labor aspects of the WNBA, but because of that, I want to focus in on the Becky Hammond side of this story because Becky Hammond getting a two game suspension was immediately met by the aces and by their uh, front office group, which include the owner of the team, Mark Davis, the same owner of the Raiders, who's regarded as being cheap when it comes to the Raiders, but then in the WNBA, where the salary cap is set at like $1.8 million for the whole league, and the WNBA finds itself in a position where 
they cap players' salaries even though the people who own the team are often billionaires who are willing to spend the money to put a much better product on the floor to offer private flights for the players and to pay them more than what is collectively bargained. The Las Vegas Aces pushed back on the Becky Hammond suspension and Hammond herself pushed back on it by saying this is inaccurate, this is not based on any merit or any kind of actual comments that I made towards Derecia Hamby and or Derica, sorry, not Derecia, Derica Hamby and the Aces didn't really push back on appealing the suspension and when it came to the docking of the first round pick, the rest of the WNBA was arguing that they got off easy, including the WNBA Players Association was making the claim that they didn't impose harsh enough penalties on the WNBA. So you have this weird situation where the Becky Hammond is denying the bullying and also isn't fighting the suspension. The Aces fighting back against the suspension and Hammond has served one game already. They won their first game of the season by like 41 points against the Seattle Storm who lost Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird and might be one of the worst teams in the WNBA this year. This is technically a second offense for the Aces and that's why they're kind of pushing back on it because one of my favorite developments in all of sports is cheap Mark Davis in the NFL is out here stunting in the WNBA where he got fined $750,000 for buying private flights for Aces players. He also got fined a bunch of money for circumventing the salary cap to sign Candace Parker this past season, which for those who don't follow the WNBA, Candace Parker's become a little bit of a mercenary recently going from the LA Sparks and winning a championship, going to the Chicago Sky, winning a championship with the Sky, and then going to Las Vegas, the defending champions. Candace Parker's kind of become this mercenary who switches teams and the team usually ends up winning a championship when Candace Parker joins their team. And so Mark Davis out here stunting in the WNBA, breaking salary cap rules, trying to buy private flights and breaking league rules because the W we talked about this in our, our legal episode of the show. Like the WNBA is set up so that the three people who own the WNBA who own a WNBA team who are only worth about twelve million dollars compared to the billionaire owners of Joe Sai who owns the New York Liberty and signed Brianna Stewart or the ownership group of Mark Davis worth billions of dollars out here stunting and breaking WNBA rules like the billionaire owners versus the people who have like 12 million dollars the WNBA is very slowly becoming a sport I'm really not slowly I think quickly becoming a sport where you will have to be a multi multi millionaire beyond the 12 million like we're talking nine figures level of millionaire in order to afford a WNBA team And the systems that are set up now are ridiculous because it is suppressing the growth of the sport. The sport should be pouring all of these resources into the league, whether it's the Leonces who own the Mystics in Washington or whether it's the ownership group in Chicago who's worth billions of dollars. We mentioned Joe Tsai who owns the New York Liberty who's worth billions of dollars. These billionaires 
should be spending their own money beyond what they're making to grow the WNBA. That is a noble cause and the WNBA should be embracing that instead of suppressing it with their wage systems. And so because we're talking about financial improprieties with the Las Vegas Aces, they've been docked draft picks. They have been docked. Uh, they've been fined a number of times now, and the Becky Hammond suspension is a new one because it relates to discrimination within the workplace, and we'll see if Hamby follows up with a lawsuit or if more details come out about why Becky Hammond got a suspension, because we don't really know other than the WNBA mentioning comments about Hamby's pregnancy made by Becky Hammond, so we don't really know a lot of the details around the specifics. Maybe we'll learn more details about that. When it comes to the financial improprieties aspect, the Aces just out here stunting. That's the name of the game for them. They are going to spend money beyond their means. They're going to circumvent the salary cap. They are going to do everything they can to put on the best WNBA team in the sport. And the best basketball teams now are the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. They are the two super teams. They have three all-stars on each of their teams when there's only about 12 all-stars in the entire league. They've got half of them. They are out here stunting, and that's the name of the game at this point. And so I'm interested to see if we get more details about the Becky Hammond suspension. Again, they denied it, and Hammond pushed back hard against it in a press conference. They also didn't really appeal the suspension, and I'm not as familiar with the WNBA's made-up legal process, so I don't know how the appeals really works for that. We'll see if there's more details that come come out about that one. This is just another case that's interesting. For the third time since they won the WNBA championship, where you have a case where the Las Vegas Aces are out here stunting on the sport and getting docked draft picks and fined when I wish that they would just... Whatever luxury tax penalties or whatever bullshit mechanisms they come up with... Because again, in an ideal world, these billionaires who want to spend as much money as they please growing women's basketball should be allowed to do so instead of the suppressing of the system to protect the three ownership groups in the WNBA who don't have the money to compete with what a free market economy would look like in the WNBA. And the WNBA should not have a salary capped system because the sport is 50 years behind where the NBA was and these players should be allowed to earn max contracts and grow the sport and bring in larger amounts of revenue. So beyond that part with the Aces story, they're one of the two best teams in the WNBA, along with the Sabrina Unescu, Brianna Stewart, John Quell Jones, uh, New York Liberty team. They are the two best teams in the sport. They have half of the all-stars in the sport, and they are just out here stunting on a crash course to the WNBA championship game. And so the Aces have taken three different penalties now on financial improprieties and spending over the salary cap because Mark Davis out here stunting. And you know what, Mark Davis? Keep stunting on WNBA basketball. Don't let these punishments that some are deemed too harsh by docking a draft pick and some are deemed not harsh enough by docking a draft pick. Like, keep stunting, Mark Davis. Don't let them deter you. Don't let the don't let the systems and structures of the league deter you because we need Mark Davis out here stunting like he's Steve Cohen in the WNBA. The last story that I wanted to talk about with the WNBA is specifically a basketball aspect of this. 
Because I mentioned a second ago, the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces are the two best teams in the WNBA. They have half of the All-Stars in the entire sport. Aaliyah Boston, who was the College Player of the Year, we talked about her with South Carolina. She now plays for the Indiana Fever, and that's going to be interesting to watch play out. But besides the point, like six of the 12 best players in the sport play for the same team, and... The MVP of the sport might be playing for the Dallas Wings because Arike Agumbawale in the first game of the season for Dallas, and they were playing the Atlanta Dream, who aren't a very good team, but Arike Agumbawale put up 27 points and might win the WNBA MVP this year. And if you don't know who Arike Agumbawale is, you and you're a basketball fan, you've definitely seen her in those commercials where Mark Cuban is pitching the Shark Tank bits to her for State Farm. Remember where he's like, Mark's Cubans, and it's Mark Cuban's face on a Cuban sandwich? Or he's like, Mark's Tubins, where it's Mark Cuban's face on tube socks, and he's pitching it to Arike Agumbawale. If you didn't know, that's Arike Agumbawale. And she is a WNBA All-Star. If you remember college basketball a couple years ago, she was the player who hit the buzzer beaters for Notre Dame to beat UConn. It's maybe the most iconic shot in WNBA history. Buzzer beater to beat UConn in the Final Four, and then game winner with one second left to play in the championship game for Notre Dame. It was Muffet McGraw's last championship before she retired. And Arike Agumbawale has made some WNBA All-Star teams, played on Olympic teams. She's been a very good WNBA player. Now is when she's about to become an MVP. And I mentioned off the top that the WNBA has stars that you recognize. It just happens to be a lot of the stars from 10 years ago. Like, Candace Parker is a star, and you see Candace Parker getting national endorsement deals. Sue Bird and Tiana Taurasi are stars, and you see them getting national endorsement deals. You also see Sue Bird and Megan Rapino, who are married to each other, engaged to each other. You see Sue Bird and Megan Rapino as a bit of a power couple in women's sports, who are also getting national recognition. You'll see Sue Bird in every March Madness commercial or seeing Sue Bird on the CarMax. Like, Sue Bird gets all these national endorsements as part of the WNBA. The faces the WNBA put forward to advertise the sport are Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, the same faces they were putting forth 10 years ago. And there's a whole new generation of WNBA stars who are about to enter the national spotlight. Like the generation in between you had Maya Moore and you had Brittany Griner and you've had Brianna Stewart, who's now the star of the sport, who's won two championships with Sue Bird and now Sue Bird is gone and now it's uh, Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Unescu with the New York Liberty, who are kind of the one-two tandem. And what's interesting about it from the WNBA standpoint is... They have a lot of stars who are older and faces of the sport that you recognize. And what I think is interesting is that Arike Agumbawale is about to become 
that star in the WNBA because she is going to win WNBA MVP in my mind this year. And she's already a household name because of the Notre Dame National Championship run. College basketball at times can be more popular than the WNBA. And so Caitlin Clark or Arike Ogumbawale or even Brianna Stewart, who won four straight championships back in the mid-2010s. Uh, you could talk about Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, Aaliyah Boston to a certain extent. Like College basketball stars can sometimes be more of household names than the WNBA because women's college basketball is more popular and in many cases more profitable than even the WNBA. And so Enrico Gumbawale has that national recognition from the run at Notre Dame. Maybe people had forgotten about her over the years because she's been a very good WNBA player and also the Dallas Wings haven't had a deep playoff run in her time playing for them. Uh, this is her fifth season in the W now, so they haven't really had a deep playoff run. Skylar Diggins-Smith, who used to be the Dallas Wings star was traded uh, in 2020, so Arike Agumbawale only played one season with Skylar Diggins-Smith, and so that never really panned out into like a team that would compete for a championship. It's just been very interesting to watch her now become a household name with a national endorsement deal and is about to potentially be WNBA MVP. And I think if Arike Agumbawale balls out this year and wins WNBA MVP, even if the Dallas Wings can't make the championship because they don't have a team as good as the Elena Deladon Mystics or the New York Liberty with Sabrina Unescu, Jean-Quel Jones, and Brianna Stewart, or they don't have a team like the Las Vegas Aces that now has not just Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, but also Candace Parker. Even if they can't beat that team and they'll get bounced because Arike Agumbawale is but one player and they don't really have a second all-star for the Dallas Wings, even if Arike Agumbawale is doing the James Harden thing or the Russell Westbrook thing where she's just putting up these ridiculous stat lines on a team that's not going to be able to compete for a championship, I think Arike Agumbawale is going to become a bit of a household national name in women's college basketball. And I think if she wins MVP this year, and I think she might have a chance of winning MVP, I think that's going to be an interesting pivot for her and for the sport, because again, like a lot of their names are getting old and retiring. Candace Parker is doing NBA on TNT and still playing in the league, but Candace Parker is now in her 30s. She is the jumping from the LA Sparks to the Chicago Sky to the Las Vegas Aces and winning championships. Like Candace Parker is at the back end of her career. Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi are retired now. And while Brianna Stewart is a star in the sport. I don't know if Stewie has the same national cachet, even as she won four championships in college. I don't think she has the national cachet that Arike Agumbawale will have because people remember that moment when she hit the greatest shot in the history of women's college basketball. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, and maybe it doesn't work out that way. I just think Arike Agumbawale is about to become a star across the sport of the WNBA. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.